Chapter 6, verses 18 through 24, should, it's right behind me. It's also in your bulletin if you'd rather look there. Or if you actually brought a Bible, yay, way to go, you can read it in that. But I'm going to use the bulletin. <laughs> Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end... Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me. This is Paul talking. Also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. So, as Paul concludes the letter, is how we'll conclude the letter, is how we'll conclude the series. That is, with prayer. It's fitting. This whole book is um, full of different prayers of Paul for the people in the church in Ephesus. He prays that they would know Jesus Christ. He prays that they would know the salvation of Christ in their hearts. He prays that they would, they would know the love of Jesus Christ, the depth, the height, the width, the length of that love. And so prayer permeates this entire book. And thus, as I said, it's fitting that the book ends with prayer. And let's dig into this particular prayer that Paul um, is talking about here in these last few verses. And this passage breaks down in this way. If you're a note taker, here you go. It's also on the back of the insert inside your bulletin. There's three things that I believe Paul gets at in this passage. The first is the power, I'm sorry, the purpose of prayer. The second is the plan of prayer. And lastly, we'll talk about the person of prayer. Now, I accidentally, I had a picture I was going to put up here that I didn't get in the slides. So I'm going to try really quickly to move here we go. Let's see if I get it up. Let's see if I get it to pop up. Oh, man. I don't think it's going to work. Let's, let's try. Here we go. You see anything up there? Nope. Didn't come up. All right. Well, if you... I had a picture of Iron Man, and it was amazing. It was life-changing. Um, I apologize that I did not have time to get into the slides. Let me put them back up from current slide. Boom. There you go. So you can read the passage, but um, the reason I had a picture of Iron Man, so you're going to have to use your imagination. If you don't know who that is, let me explain. He is a part of this thing called the Marvel Universe. He's a superhero in so many different ways, but he's, he's different than your typical superhero because it's basically a guy who has a ton of money, billions in fact, and he decided to build himself a suit, basically a suit of armor. 
And it's powered by, I don't know, what? Help me out here. Nuclear fission or something? What, what is it powered by? An arc, arc reactor. Arc reactor, whatever that is. Yeah. And it's the, the arc reactor that powers the suit that Iron Man wears when he goes and beats up the bad guys. He can actually fly with it, too. It's got jet boosters in the heels, and it sends him up into the sky. And then he's also got little... Um, help me out? Flight stabilizers. Flight stabilizers on his hands. Thank you. Oh Thank you. I'm not as good at this stuff as some of you. Um, I think he can also shoot out of his hands, too, right? So they stabilize him, and they blast other people. Okay. So... There's a point. Um, that's kind of like what Paul's talking about in this passage. You know, remember, remember the last few weeks, if you've been here with us, the armor of God. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah? The helmet of salvation. Remember that? The belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. I thought about this week and I was like, Nathan, that's genius. Everybody's going to walk in that room wondering, what superhero is this like? Iron Man. There you go. <laughs> But today, as Paul concludes the passage, what we're really going to talk about, since we've already covered the armor of God, we're going to talk about the arc reactor. Thank you, Nathan. What is the arc reactor for this armor of God? Well, Paul gives it to us here this morning. It's prayer. The purpose of prayer, as he explains it even here in our passage this morning, is power. Ultimately, Paul is, the reason that he concludes, I lost my bulletin. Does anybody know where my bulletin went? Where did I put it? The reason that he concludes with um, prayer is that, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. I don't want to have to constantly look back at the passage behind me. Thank you very much. Um, it's because he knows something about us as human beings. You may not be this way, or at least you may not be this way today or this week, but I can almost guarantee at some point in your life you have experienced this apathy. I have, right? Especially, I think for myself at least, and I don't know where you're at in your journey, but it often can occur when things are actually going well. Everything seems to be clicking in my life, and it's like everybody's sort of happy around me. The kids are not in like their terrible moods for the day. And I get a little apathetic, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember there's something about reading my Bible. So it's like the Bible talks about that. And there's this thing about prayer. But I find myself in weakness neglecting to pray. Even though uh, what Paul is talking about here is he's saying, I want you to be praying all the time. Because it is the fuel with which this armor of God is going to run. It, it is the power source for all these things. Let's think about that very armor of God. Those things I was already just talking about. See if you, this has ever happened to you. It's happened to me, I know, but just think through this for just a moment. We look at the belt of truth, which is the word of God. Do you ever struggle to care if you read or don't read the Bible? You ever struggle with that? Um, let's look at the breastplate of righteousness. Do you struggle to care, to honestly care that Jesus Christ gives you your ultimate righteousness? Or do you sometimes get stuck trying to prove your worth to the world through your work or through your cleanliness or through the fact that you're a nice person? We looked at the shoes of the gospel of peace. Do you sometimes struggle to care, honestly, if you're disconnected with the people sitting around you, even here this morning? 
I find myself doing this. It's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I care what's going on in life. I feel a little overwhelmed with my own. Even though the shoes of the gospel of peace has brought us unity in Christ. We also looked at the helmet of salvation, which is our freedom from the power of sin that is brought by Jesus Christ. Do you struggle to care if you ever actually break from that besetting sin? Do you struggle to care? You fall into it so many times. Do you ever just get to the point where you're like, I think I'm just going to give up? It's too difficult. Um, Do you struggle to care if you ever stop hurting other people? You know, lastly, we talked about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do you struggle to care if you ever memorize the Bible or know it so well that you reflexively respond with Scripture when you're attacked by Satan or by those powers and principalities of this present darkness that we talked about over the last few weeks? Don't hear me wrong. I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty. This is not about, the pastor's up front. You should be reading your Bible more and praying more, which is true. You should. (laughs) But what Paul is, is pressing in on us, and I hope to press in on you this morning, is that in the flesh... All of you, those things that I just mentioned are going to be typical in your life. You're going to be prone to that type of apathy. I know I am. And he's like, listen, we have been given the arc reactor. You've got it. You have an arc reactor at all times with you. It is called prayer. It is called your vital connection with God. Do you neglect it? We neglect it, I neglect it, at our peril. At least according to what Paul is talking about here. You see, our life with God, this one where we get to receive the armor from Him, it's highly relational. I don't know if you've heard me mention that before, but the Bible talks about it from the very beginning to the very end. We are meant to be in relationship with God. And that relationship is fostered through this thing called prayer. It's this where we can connect at any moment, any time, in any way we want through our words with God. We can listen to God and we can speak to God. And we get that privilege because the Lord himself set it up that way. Satan, by the way, or to use our passage here in Ephesians chapter 6, the powers and principalities of this present darkness, they don't want that. There is an active campaign to keep you from individually, us from collectively connecting with God. The powers and principalities would cut it off. They would cut you off from your vital connection with the people around you and with God himself. The the idea is that we want our, the, the powers and principalities want our world divided. They want you divided. What they want to do is isolate you, get you alone, and get you cut off both from other people and from God himself. And that is the place where you will find despair. You will find destruction, division, hopelessness. It's, it's, it's out there. You may have even experienced it recently. You know this is the case. And God is saying, Paul is saying, be connected. Get connected with your power source, with God himself. And it's not a one-time thing. Let me explain. Let's look at our passage very specifically now. I wanted to press upon you the arc reactor piece of this. We have this 
suit of armor from God that is all of these unbelievable truths of the gospel. That your righteousness is from Christ himself. That you have a helmet of salvation and have been absolutely rescued from sin in your past, in your present, and in your future. These glorious truths about who God is and who you are. Wow. But they have got to be made alive. They have got to become real in your life. And they have got to be powered by the Holy Spirit, the arc reactor, as you connect to God through prayer. But Paul goes on. He now explains in this passage, how does that happen? How are you going to get that to actually occur in your life, to be connected to God in that way? Here's, let me, I'm just going to run through the list. It's right here behind me. You can read it with me. He says, praying at all times. Paul uses the same idea and phrase in different letters that he writes to the different churches that he pastored, he ministered to. Another time he says, pray unceasingly, which honestly seems pretty much impossible. This does too. Pray at all times. Yeah, right. I mean, how many times a day do you actually end up praying? Now, it's a good thing to set aside specific times for prayer, right? But there's something Paul's getting at about how this can be conversational in our life. If you've ever read through, it's sort of in one sitting, any of the gospel books, that is Matthew, Mark, uh, what are the other ones? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Luke and John. If you've ever read through those, you'll see this theme that carries through. The writers took the time, and it seems absolutely frivolous, to mention that Jesus withdrew from the crowds. Right? It's, it's superfluous information. We don't need to know. It says, Jesus got in a boat and he went out into the middle of the lake by himself and they didn't know where he was. Or he climbed up a mountain and he was up there just hanging out. And for some reason, the gospel writers are like, that's important information. Let's put it in the Bible. Here it is. What, what the writers are getting across to us is this idea that Jesus was intimately connected to the Father. Jesus knew, this is my power source. I am, my mission is impossible without my arc reactor, my prayer connection to the Father. So he would take specific times out to go pray with the Lord, but obviously he was also talking to God throughout the day. It's something that we can develop ourselves. We can have times of specific withdraw from the world, withdraw from people around us to just be in close communion with our Father. But also, throughout the day, we can just be having conversation with God. We can be listening to Him. Honestly, getting alone is more about listening to God than talking to God. Because if you find that, if you make a regular habit of prayer in your life throughout the day, you'll find that generally you tend to talk. (laughs) If you're like me. Now, admittedly, I talk a lot. So, maybe you listen. But I tend to talk a lot. But it's meant to be a two-way type conversation. And God set it up to where we have, ready for the second part? Not only should we be doing it at all times, praying, that is, but it's meant to be in the Spirit. You see it right there at the top. You always have full bars. That's what he's trying to say to you. This arc reactor within you, you always have full bars. He's, Paul is saying in the Spirit because we have been given this unbelievable privilege of God being within us. The reason that we can connect to God at any time, in any place, is because 
As a Christian, someone who's united themselves with Christ, we've been given this very Spirit of God who is within us. There's always the availability of God within our life. He does not run from us. And the Bible says this too about the Spirit. We've mentioned this even from Ephesians. But the Spirit helps us to pray when we don't even know what to pray. You ever gotten off a horrible phone call where you just found out about some tragedy that happened to your family? Or have you ever gotten some news at work that just absolutely gutted you? Or have you ever just been sitting alone sometime and had a nasty, terrible, dark thought? And you're like, I, I, God, God, not quite sure what to even say. You don't want to say anything horrible. You don't want to receive something horrible, but you're just, you're lost a little bit in the moment. And it says the Spirit is with us in those moments to help us to pray. Even when it feels like babbling, when it's murmuring, it says the Spirit takes that very prayer to God. You don't have to have the right words and, hey, my sentences were all complete. Now God will hear me. That's not at all the picture the Bible gives. The picture the Bible gives is that even when it's just groans that are coming out of us, because we're hurting so badly, that the Spirit takes that and brings it to God. That we are always in that kind of intimate connection with God. So in this, so praying at all times, praying. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention about the Spirit. We hit on this a few chapters ago, but Paul talks about the fact that it is absolutely amazing that we are filled with the Spirit. He says, "Don't get drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit." Now, those of you who have been in here for several weeks now are tired of me talking about this, but it bears repeating. The idea that Paul is trying to get across is that when you get drunk with alcohol of any sort, it depresses your brain. It actually squeezes your brain down to where it's like, oh, I don't feel anything anymore, and I don't have to think about reality, and oh, I'm just in a great place. Okay? It feels good. I'm not going to lie. Paul makes the case for that. But what it's doing is, is it's crushing down the reality of your life so that you're not really aware of all the pain and the suffering in your life and you just go into oblivion and Paul says, that's debauchery because your mind is now shut off and that's not something good. He says, instead, instead, be filled with the Spirit. In, praying at all times, in the Spirit. Here's what the Spirit does. The Spirit comes in and does the opposite of alcohol. Instead of crushing down our brain to where we actually just kind of forget about all our worries, it actually takes our worries and it gets behind our worries and shows us the reality of who God is and what God has done and what God is doing. And we're able to see that there is a power behind the universe that we had never even acknowledged before in the midst of our pain and suffering. It's kind of like that Old Testament story where... um, it's, it's the prophet speaking to his sort of understudy. And he's like, the battle belongs to the Lord. I want you to open your eyes and look around. And he sees angels surrounding the enemy army. It's this idea that there is a power that you cannot see all the time. That is at work in this world for our good because of what God has done through Christ. That's what the Holy, the Holy Spirit... You see it, you feel it, you know it. You open the words of Scripture and you're like, yes and amen. Christ has bought me at a price. That's the kind of work the Spirit does within us. So that's what Paul's saying. Pray at all times, 
in the Spirit. And then he says, he goes down a little bit, he says, with all prayer and supplication, which is basically, he's just reiterating himself. He's like, do it? Do it! <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's why he says, with all prayer and supplication. That's a Greek way of being like, come on, y'all. Arc reactor. To that end, okay, now here's the other thing he gets on to. Keep alert. I know this is sort of the same theme as I've already talked about this morning, but it's still this idea that because of the darkness around us, because of the darkness of the world around us, the suffering that we all experience, there is a tendency to get lulled asleep spiritually. You ever have a really long weekend? I know Katie and Ethan had a long weekend. Amen. The students are back. They work at the university. Um, if you're like me, and I'm imagining you are a little bit, when you get tired, your perspective gets really messed up, doesn't it? You ever miss the night of sleep? All of a sudden, it's like, oh, despair. <laughs> oh, the world is full of death. I have not seen it before. Um, you know, every news article, you're like, yep, murder. Figures. You know, I thought about doing that earlier today. And also, you're just touchy, too, with other people. Somebody walks up and he's like, how are you doing today? Rah! Get away from me. You know, and it's like, why, why is all that occurring? You're tired. God tells us this. He's like, look, I love you, but you're a human being. And in the flesh, you're just really weak. Again, the Bible paints this really sober, we'll say, picture of what it means to live on this earth for this lifetime. And it's the fact that you get tired really easily. Now, here's the point Paul's making when he says keep alert. This exact same thing can happen to you spiritually. Where you just get into like the grind of like school and work and like attending events at school or work and then, you know, on the weekends turning on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or I could go on. Yours might be something different. We all we all we all get into that mode, right? Where it's just like survival, I'm going to make it through one more week. And that's why Paul says in this passage, keep alert. You've got to keep your senses alert. There's got to be a connection with God that allows you to see beyond, beyond what happened yesterday. You've got to see that God has a plan for the ages that he is writing a story that is more grand than just grinding it through, <laughs> even though it feels like a grind, that he is doing an awesome work both in your life and in the life of the world around you, and that you can make a difference, and that you can change, and that there is hope. When you get spiritually tired, and that's what, again, that's what Paul's referencing, it's the same type of thing when you get physically tired. You just lose perspective. It's like, oh, the world's never going to change. Nothing's ever going to happen. Nothing good is really going to occur in this situation. Where God is saying, no, that's not the case at all. Not only am I at work, but, oh, final point about the plan of prayer. Final point. He says, here's what I want you to be praying for, all the saints. See it right here? He says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Keep yourself awake, spiritually speaking. 
making supplication for all the saints. He's giving the substance of what our prayer life is supposed to be about. This is an important point. It would be helpful to you if I came over today and moved your refrigerator in your house, assuming you needed your refrigerator moved. Or maybe you needed some shelves you know, slightly shifted over to the right. Or maybe you needed your sock drawer organized. Or I don't know what your particular problem at your house is. A light switch that doesn't work. Um, I don't, a broken pipe, perhaps. And it would obviously be helpful for people in this church, including myself, to come over and help fix those things, move those things, repair those things, right? Let's do that, y'all. Ask around. I'm serious. This is like a little side application. Who needs some work done at their house? Help them out. You know, maybe they just need a meal because they're drowning under the burden of school and work and whatever else it is. Bring over a meal. But, you knew I had a side point, another point. There's nothing that you can offer another person in this room or another neighbor or another Christian that is more helpful and powerful than praying for them. Again, your muscles, good thing. Your muscles moving that shelf over to the right a little bit, good thing. Your muscles shifting over the refrigerator because it wasn't working in that position, great thing. But when you call on the ultimate power of the universe, who holds all things in his hand, and who speaks a word and things come into existence, when you tap into that power source, man, you're really, now, now you're cooking with, with, how's that phrase go? Yes. Gas, oil. You're cooking with gas. <laughs> Do you see? You see how it works? He's saying, we as a church, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, but he could be talking to the church here today. We are powered on this fuel. We're cooking with gas now when we pray for one another, for all the saints. Please pray for me. As I pray for you. And this is my final point. We don't have time. Yep, it needs to be my final point. We are called a royal priesthood. I talked about this at the Discover Christ Central class yesterday. What is what the Bible means when it calls us a royal priesthood? That is all believers, is that we lift up one another. This is such an important piece of who we are as Christians that the Bible actually uses a name for us called the royal priesthood. And we are meant to be constant. What a priest does is a priest brings the people before God, lifts them up to the one who can actually change things, move things, and restore things. And here's what's super cool. Paul has focused this entire book of Ephesians on the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what, he's, that's what he's getting at here. He's getting at, I want you to be interceding for one another because, why? Because we have one who intercedes for us at all times. The Bible taught that when Jesus ascended to heaven, he went to the right hand of the Father. And he sits there interceding for all of those that would know him, interceding on our behalf, that we would be protected from the wiles of Satan that would bring accusations against us, that would bring despair into our life, that would bring death into our life. 
That's what Jesus is doing for you. He also pleads on our behalf for the forgiveness. He pleads for his own blood. Father, forgive them through what I have done. We have the person of Jesus Christ interceding for us at all times. We follow him on that same path when we intercede for one another. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says it this way. Consequently, he, that is Jesus, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them, for us. Always lives to make intercession because he bought the forgiveness from God. Final point, conclusion. Don't take for granted those two facts. I know it's easy. I do it all the time. That Jesus Christ is at the the right hand of the Father, ascended to the throne, that we might have access to God, that he pleads on our behalf at all times, and the fact that we have the privilege of doing that for one another. My prayer for us as a church is that we would, though we are weak, though, though we are prone to apathy, that we would never forget or neglect those two truths. That we have one who intercedes for us and that we are meant to be interceding for one another. May it be true of us this very week. Let me pray. Lord God, here, here I'm, I'm praying. <laughs> It's amazing that we can do this and we can do it any time that we want. Lord, help me, help us not to take this privilege for granted. Lord, help us to be consistently and constantly at all times lifting each other up to the very throne room of God that we might find help in time of need and that we might be brought into the depth of relationship that you've promised us through Christ. Lord, thank you for our time together today. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for the book of Ephesians. What an incredible book. What an incredible look at who the church is and what you're doing for the church and how the church is being changed to be more like Christ. Lord, I pray that we would not forget these words, but that you, by your Holy Spirit, would make them come alive in our hearts even today. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.